0: You're listening to The Feed. This is The Feed. This is The Feed. The Feed. You're listening to The Feed. In Markham.
1: In Richmond Hill. You're listening to The Feed in Vaughan.
0: In Stouffville.
1: In Woodbridge. In Unionville.
2: You're listening to 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer, and this is The Feed, York Region's only news magazine show. This weekend, we want to dedicate this time and focus our conversation on the victims of Ukraine International Airlines Flight 752. The flight departed from Tehran's Imam Khomeini International Airport on January 8th and was headed to Kiev. It was perhaps three minutes later that systems failed and the plane crashed, killing all 176 on board. Iran initially denied bringing down the flight, but on January 11th, the government took responsibility for the crash. New video also appears to show two missiles hitting Flight 752 when it was in the air. In the days that followed, shock, unimaginable grief, questions, and anger of the 176 people on board, 138 were headed to Canada, our death toll at least 57, many from the GTA and right here in York Region. Maja Johari joins us on the feed. MP Richmond Hill, thank you very much. This is a difficult time for so many Canadians, including you. This is... It almost hits too close to home, if you will. Tell us your thoughts on this tragedy.
1: Um, uh, good afternoon, and, and First of all, let me start by extending my condolences, my family, my wife, my daughter, and my son. condolences to all those who have lost their lives, especially the 57 Canadians. Uh, what we've been hearing um, at the, um, across, and I strongly support that, is that we need a clear answer. We need full access to get... Um, our investigation team on the ground as part of the team. We are asking for transparency. We are asking from all levels of the government and we are asking for accountability and compensation as well. We are hearing a lot of hurts and a lot of anger.
2: There was a meeting in London to that end. Uh, Let's talk about the progress that's being made as the families suffer and struggle here in Canada for any information about how things are moving in terms of repatriation, in terms of transparency, in terms of compensation.
1: As you know, um, there there was a meeting held earlier um, uh, this morning, our time in, in, in London, which was head by our uh, uh, foreign affairs minister, Champagne, um, with participation from Canada, UK, Sweden, and Afghanistan. With Canada taking the lead on that, and um, it, it focus on making sure that we work collab- collaboratively to get all the answers that uh, that we need.
2: At the time of recording this interview, uh, there has been a great outpouring of information for the families and friends of the victims. I spoke personally with the brother of one of the plane crash victims, and he said to me that it was a very complicated system by which he was trying to access information or through which he was trying to access information. Is there any way that this is being understood and is, can be streamlined for people who are struggling trying to get answers?
1: Yes, um, I believe it's understood. Um, and we, those feedback were all collected as a result of us all of us reaching out and the Prime Minister identifying Omar Argabra, his parliamentary secretary, to be the direct point for collecting all the information. So um, uh, all the MPs uh, and uh, have collected feedbacks and provided those feedback. One of the biggest challenges, as you understand, as it's been shared with you, is um, being able to access to the bodies uh, under uh, the Canadian nationality. So there is concern that those individuals, those Canadian citizens who have traveled to Iran under their Iranian passport, that's the only way they can travel, uh, is now the question whether they can get access. We are working very closely um, in the Council of Services on the ground are working very diligently with the authorities to be able to resolve this issue. Is there an issue? Yes. Are we working hard to resolve it? Yes.
2: Diplomatic ties were severed with Iran in 2012. How is it that there is even hope that we can get truth and accountability from that nation?
1: Um, Well, there there is no guarantee. But there are positive signs that at uh, the earliest stages that and the, now we have our council of service stations on the ground. Um, PM has directly talked to the um, presidents of Iran. The foreign affairs ministers are talking. And we have been very, very steadfast. And I fully support uh, uh, the, um, the open, transparent investigation holding, uh, holding the government uh, of Iran accountable and um, full transparency, full support, full access. So is there a guarantee? I don't believe there's anything in in life that's guaranteed. And Therefore, it is our hope that early, um, small, positive signals is hopeful.
2: The repatriation of the remains of the victim, so important to the families here in Canada, uh, and really anyone who uh, loved someone who was lost on that flight, how does that happen? How does our government make that happen?
1: Well, the, again, aside uh, from number one, a priority to make sure that we provide support is, is through the dialogue and through having our teams on the ground and through holding the um, government of Iran at all levels accountable and firmly standing by our Canadian citizen and asking for the rights of uh, those Canadian citizens to have their uh, wish um, uh, acknowledged and have the bodies over. How technically that's going to happen, this is something that I believe our Council at the Services Group that's on the ground is trying to work that out.
2: You are of Iranian heritage, uh, Iranian-Canadian, you're an MP, you're a, a family man, you're a human being. How do you come to grips with what that nation did to all of those people, including at least 57 Canadians?
1: Well, I would say um, the word nation is, is, uh, I would say, the government of Iran, uh, however you want to define that, is is fully responsible and should be held accountable. There is no justification. There is no explanation. there um, There is no world. And it's, it's about, it's, I share their grief. I I try to reconcile. I can't. I try to make sense. I can't. I try to explain. I can't. Neither I can, nor my family, nor my friends. Nobody can. Um, And I I believe there's a lot of uh, Iranians in Iran that they can't reconcile. So how how do we explain it? I can't explain it. I'm not part of the technical team. But from a human side, I don't think there is any reason. There is no justification. There is no explanation.
2: Bajit Johari, MP, Richmond Hill, Thank you very much for joining us on the feed and please continue to keep us updated.
1: Absolutely. We stand with the um, families and the people who have lost their lives. We ask for full transparency, uh, full accountability and compensation. This was not uh, a right action to take.
2: Thank you. MPP Michael Parsa, who represents the riding of Aurora, Oak Ridges, Richmond Hill, joins us on the feed. Thank you. Uh, This has been a terrible stretch of time for so many people around the world, but particularly here in Canada and in Ontario, where most of the victims uh, were spending their time. Let's uh, talk about your thoughts on the loss of so many lives uh, because of this horrific crash.
3: Thanks very much for having me. It has been. It's been incredibly uh, heartbreaking, and devastating for uh, not just the Iranian Canadian community, but Canada as a whole. Uh, we lost uh, 57 Canadians. Um, these were, uh, you know, moms and dads and brothers and sisters, um, you know, co-workers, neighbors and loved ones. A lot of many people from the uh, from the academics. There were uh, so many. Uh, there were students. There were professors. There were engineers. There were doctors. And unfortunately, uh, we lost them. It was tragic, uh, it's tragic.
2: It's so confusing for. Canadians for the families and friends of the victims all of what is going on in Iran uh, initially they the country says that this was a mechanical failure on the part of the aircraft maker then it is confirmed that yes they did shoot down the aircraft but inadvertently or maybe it was something that was uh, d- directed from you know the top person in Iran there are so many pieces to this Puzzle that are just gut wrenching, and every single day there is something different. Uh, What are you saying to your constituents when you attend vigils? And I know you've been to several in the past week.
3: You know, it's been uh, mostly uh, to show to go there and to. And to mourn with them and uh, and to be there to support them. That's what uh, you know. That's what we're all doing right now. It's that's one of the things about this. As uh, Canadians from coast to coast to coast are coming together, they're, the outpouring of love and support that they're showing to the families and loved ones who lost uh, who lost family members in this tragedy is uh, is just so so heartwarming uh, to to experience. But uh, you know, they they're, they went from in, initially, as you as you mentioned, they were sad and they were they were. Shocked and devastated to then being angry, uh, you know, and um, there are a whole range of emotions right now the family is going through, and it's still early days, uh, you know, there's a lot of. Uh, emotions right now but uh, they are uh, they're looking for for answers they are making that very clear um, they want uh, the uh, the regime to be held accountable uh, now that they have publicly stated that they were behind this and uh, they're asking us they're asking all of us they're asking me to please make sure that they're held to account and that they're held responsible they want uh, answers to their questions And they want justice to be served. And that's the only way the families are going to have closure.
2: And as a member of provincial parliament, uh, are you able to make change? Are you able to facilitate some of the things that are being asked by the families, you and, of course, your other party members and the Premier?
3: Well, as you you know, and the Premier uh, alluded to this in in the press conference, that we're working very closely with our federal counterparts. Minister Champagne has done a great job um, making sure that the voices of our families are heard and that um, he he is doing his very best to make sure that the questions that the families have, we're asking for independent investigations. Uh, The families are asking for that, and we're working with our federal counterparts, and we've offered our support in every way, shape, or form uh, in the areas that are provincially related we will do our best to make sure that it's expedited and and offer our services to to the families
2: and you mentioned the press conference Uh, this was a press conference in which the premier announced that Ontario has created 57 new post-secondary scholarships in memory of each of the 57 Canadian victims let's talk about that and its meaning
3: it's, it's uh, i think it 's uh, something that the community uh, it would be comforting at this time this is uh, just to make sure that um, the families and the, the victims are remembered through this uh, fund. It will be, as you said, uh, 57000 uh, 57 at $10,000 in the memory of each victim uh, in Ontario. And um, it, it would be um, to uh, open to all students in, the, uh, in, in our province. And uh, it's, a, it's a fund, like I said, to, to honor the victims uh, of the recent uh, plane crash in, in Iran.
2: I find it so incredible that so many of the victims hailed from the GTA right here in York region where we broadcast from. Tell me about that in terms of how you are moving forward in trying to comfort, support and find solutions and answers for the victims' families.
3: Well, as I mentioned, it's incredibly difficult right now. Um, everyone is sad. Everyone is devastated. They're heartbroken, and uh, you know we're trying our best to be there for the families as best as we can, uh, just to offer some comfort. And um, and it's it's just been um, very difficult. And the families, as as I said earlier, are are seeking answers to questions. Uh, they want justice, and rightfully so. And um, they're asking for all elected officials to to do their part to make sure that justice is served and um and we will make sure that we stand with them do our part uh, to make sure that uh, that those um, are held to account and that justice is served for the families in order for them to have closure
2: and that is now there are so many steps to come including we all are hoping as a nation the repatriation of the remains of the victims I want to thank you for taking the time from your busy schedule MPP Michael Parsa representing the riding of Aurora Oak Ridges Richmond Hill. Thank you for joining us on the feed.
3: I want to thank you and I want to thank all your listeners and all of all Canadians from coast to coast to coast for their support and the love that they're showing to our community. It's incredibly heartwarming. Many thanks.
2: Premier Doug Ford says the new scholarships will be in place for the start of the 2020-21 school year.
1: Many of the victims were young people, were students attending college or university right here in Ontario. They were smart gifted, people who had a
4: bright future ahead of them.
2: This is The Feed on 105.9 The Region, and welcome to a very special edition of the show dedicated to the victims of Flight 752. As the RCMP tried to identify the remains of Canadians killed in the crash... As consular services on the ground in Iran work to repatriate victims' remains, family here at home are still in shock, including Arash Jamshidi, who lost his beloved sister, Shadi. Arash Jamshidi, thank you so much for joining us and talking about the life of your sister, Shadi Jamshidi, and celebrating all that was wonderful about her and a life cut too short. Tell me what you remember best about her?
0: Uh, Her beautiful smile, her warm face was the things that I will never forget. She was so strong and she did a lot of efforts to uh, build his life so far. We said it in Farsi, brick by brick. Uh, Yeah. That's the most important items that I can tell you about my sister.
2: She came to Canada, was a Canadian permanent resident, hoping for citizenship at some point very soon. She was educated, further educated at the University of Calgary, made her way to Toronto, found a great job, was doing so well at it. She was brilliant. You know, from what I've read about her, her mind matched her external beauty. In fact, it may have even exceeded it.
0: It's difficult for me to, to express my feeling to you. But as you mentioned, uh, he moved to Canada in order to follow her ambitions, her passions for a better life in uh, uh, 2012. It was a difficult experience for her after the uh, loss of her mom. Uh, to move to Calgary and find her positions there. But she tried a lot. She, uh, found, uh, a good position, uh, in a master program in the University of Cal- Calgary. After that, hoping to join me, uh, in Toronto, and because of the reason that was the down of the gas and oil industry, she preferred to come and find something in Toronto. But first of all, she went to, uh, Hamilton, found a job in Toronto, commute all the days, uh, from Hamilton to Toronto, then found a basement in Richmond Hill, uh, then found a better position in another company. Then, uh, found a better one, saved some money and, uh, rented her first home in Etobicoke until we joined her less than two years ago. We lived together and then she decided to move to live with her, her boyfriend, her partner, somehow next to ourselves in North York. This is a very brief part of his, her life uh, that you can imagine how strong she was.
2: From what you're saying, family was extremely important to her. She also displayed a lot of courage when it came to the decisions and the moves that she made. Where did that courage and that motivation come from?
0: Oh, I think it comes from the bottom of her heart, from our family background. Uh, Even my mother has passed away just one year after 30 years of her work, that she retired. Even my dad right now in, in the age of 75, 76, he's working all the days. Uh, he's a university professor in econo- economy. We are a small sized family, but all of us tried all our life to make something for the human beings.
2: Tell me about something that you and she went through as as younger people when you were growing up in Iran as brother and sister. You know, who was in charge, you or was she in charge? Who was the boss when it came to being brother and sister?
0: Oh, actually, I was the older brother in the family and I was around 13 years older than her. When she was a kid I was the boss
3: <laughs>
0: but uh, I can tell you after she grew up little by little she found a very strong character uh, very self-motivated character there were a lot of things that our family learned from her as a very kind of independent uh, girl in Iran she made all her life and career
2: it's interesting that the this independence and this this self-made woman that she was in Iran when she moved to Canada it was the perfect foundation for her because Canada is that kind of country that believes in equality and believes in in human rights and believes in Anyone can achieve anything if they try hard enough. It was a good fit for her here.
0: Yeah, we believe so and uh, that's why we moved uh, here in Canada. That's why we prefer to bring our family here in Canada Uh, because you can see the values at the back of the Canadian people. It's true that we are treated like Canadians. There was no difference between her as a PR or anybody else who was citizen of Canada.
2: Arash, how do you feel about the outpouring of support, financial but also emotional support from the government, the prime minister, and from citizens from coast to coast to coast? how do you feel about what you're seeing in terms of that kind of loving support
0: we are so grateful about the support that we got so far Um, i met many guys from the government uh, from the global affairs department from foreign ministry from cic from social social service Uh, the officers inside Iran, uh, also another international crisis company, and also the people. Uh, Shadi's colleagues and co-workers uh, in Brentag, in Canada, Colors and Petrochemicals, uh, Nima as her partner, Nima's colleagues and co-workers in uh, F-12, in uh, Omega, uh, or uh, even my wife's colleagues and co-workers in Quality Sterling Group, a few of our neighbors, uh, Iranian community as well. I feel really appreciated from all of their support.
2: This is a tough question, but how do you feel, how do you come to terms with the fact that your home nation, Iran, is now claiming responsibility for shooting down that airliner? How how do you come to terms with that?
0: We prefer not to believe that's true. It's really devastating news for us. I can tell you that it added opened our wounds again it refreshed our pains it was very difficult to understand and absorb such kind of such kind of accident you know lies has no faces there are too many conspiracy theories in our mind but none of them help us
2: The Prime Minister has said that the government, that he will not rest until there are answers and there is justice.
0: I hope to follow it until the end of the story. Um, We prefer to find everything that goes on at the back of this accident. But here I ask the government, I ask the Prime Minister to review their policies about Iran, especially we ask them to open up at least a consulate office, an embassy inside Iran to help half a million people who live here in Canada and have everyday affairs with their homeland, for sure. That would help Canada as well.
2: Nothing is going to bring your sister back. But I must say, when I walked into your beautiful home and I met your beautiful wife and your lovely daughter, I stared into your daughter's face. And and I'm wondering if I'm seeing your sister's face in your daughter.
0: Oh, Yeah, because she didn't want to go back home and... We insisted after five years to go and visit the family, to go on our mom's grave, to go and do some official items that you have to do. You has to, you have to do inside Iran. She had so many responsibilities in her career here about the family. She wanted to make a family for herself here in Canada. She ha- hung out with my little daughter most of the time. Uh, we have so many videos from her that that's very painful when you watch them. The only thing that can help me uh, is my daughter who born here in Canada, proudly born here in Canada. When I look at her face, that's just a reminding of my sister, my beloved sister's character.
2: What are you going to say to your daughter as she grows older? What are you going to tell her about her aunt?
0: She can be a role model for her. I can tell her to exactly the same as her aunt to move forward and plan for every step of your life. But don't rely on life. What do you mean by that? Because life is too short. Nobody knows what will happen even two minutes later. Because, you know, she was in the plane that texted to her partner that, It seems that war is going to start, but hopefully I got away. (laughs) Two minutes after that, everything has burned.
2: What are your next steps As as a grieving brother, but as a member of a very strong and loving family? What will you do next in order to get through this?
0: It's a very difficult procedure. We had this in 10 years ago after our mom. But we will try our best to come back again to life and renew our hope for life. Uh, We will try to move her path in order to make something for her.
2: What do you think needs to be done so that your sister did not die in vain? I think
0: if it becomes a turmoil for any kind of social and political and the people's behavior, policies, attitudes, that would be the best memorial for her. And for the victimed people, for the injured people. Everybody is suffering from such kind of mistakes, such kind of tensions throughout the world, such kind of injustice and inhumanities throughout the world. The best thing that will happen for her, uh, her blood, and the others to see the change throughout the world into the better life.
2: And that's positive change, diplomatic ties resumed, Uh, uh, just honesty and transparency, and it's such a simple word, kindness. It's lacking in this world these days.
0: In these days, everybody's following just her or his own benefits, but the only thing that will remain for the future is our kindness, is the, even a little bit of humanity that we can add into the life.
2: And we've lost someone who exemplified that. I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts about your sister, about the situation, and we all he- here are wishing you the very best and great strength and courage and support from your family and from all Canadians. That's the least we can do.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you to all Canadians, all Iranians who support us. And we hope to get more support, especially for our small family.
2: I thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you once again to Arash Jamshidi for sharing his sister's story at this very difficult time. He also told us that Shadi volunteered for the Canadian Cancer Society after losing her mother to the disease. If you would like to donate in her name, the link is on our Twitter feed, at 1059 Region, And for the extended video interview with Arash and pictures of his sister, Shadi, go to york24-7.com. Next on the feed how to cope with grief and try to move on. Afua with that story.
5: Dealing with the loss of a loved one can be difficult or can be a difficult journey to endure alone. So to talk about healthy ways to grieve is none other than Christine Gogun, who is the Executive Director and Bereavement Services Coordinator at Bereaved Families of Ontario, specifically in York Region. Christine, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course, it's our pleasure. Um, so first off, before we get into uh, the details of it and, and just helping listeners out um, who may be grieving or who know somebody who is grieving, just talk to us a bit about your organization. So
4: Bereaved Families of Ontario York Region Office has actually been around for over 25 years now. It was originally started by bereaved moms who realized there was nothing in the York region area to support people who were grieving the loss. Now, we do actually provide different services that help children, youth, and adults who are grieving the death of a loved one, and we do that through a variety of different services. So, our services could be anything from an initial one-on-one, referrals to counselors, a lending library daily Facebook posts on grief. We also have two different types of group support. One is our Journey Through Grief flexible group sessions for anyone that has had a loss. And then our second group is our eight-week closed groups, which would be a child loss group, a spousal partner loss group, and an adult loss group. We also have an eight-week children's group and a one-day youth missing pieces workshop. And above all of those things that we offer, we also do two events to honor and remember our loved ones. One is our butterfly release in September, and the second is our memory tree of light service in December.
5: Okay, that is wonderful. So lots of resources and lots of, uh, and different events in terms of different outlets to help people who are coping with the loss of a loved one. So that's some wonderful news. Um, knowing that these resources are available, um, let's say somebody ends up, of course, with the terrible news that uh, they've lost a loved one. What are some of the things that one should do, um, when they go through that grieving process? Quite often
4: when we have a loss, you're going through such a wide range of emotions, but it also impacts you physically, cognitively, spiritually, that it's really important to know the correct information because quite often we don't talk about it a lot in society. So a lot of people do not have the right information that's helpful for them. So coming to us for example, where you can get information on grief, how to cope, what that looks like, how to work through your grief, but take care of your yourself is really important and you can do certain things that is going to help you along your grief journey and while you're mourning the loss of your loved one one really important key thing you can do is actually find ways to release all your thoughts and feelings whether you do that through talking or whether you're writing or creatively expressing it or doing something to express how you feel but then it's also really important that you're taking care of yourself so that's where all of that self-care and five-minute stress relievers comes in handy and really goes a long way in helping you cope with everything, but also just seeking support from anyone around you, whether it's friends, families, your general practitioner, a counselor, a therapist, your neighbor even, or any groups um, or religious affiliations you have, whomever is in your circle. Um, talk with them and look for that support.
5: Okay, and then the obvious uh, question I'm going to ask in terms of the opposite side of this are what are some unhealthy ways that one would probably grieve and is there maybe some subtleties that maybe one wouldn't necessarily notice? Okay, so in terms of the one thing I do not
4: encourage anyone to do would be to hold in all your feelings and thoughts which sometimes that's our tendency because it's so overwhelming and scary and it's hard to go into the pain and work through it. But if you don't do that and you hold it all in, it's going to have a negative impact on your mental health, on your physical health, your relationships can start to deteriorate, or even your ability to volunteer or continue to go to work and do what you need to do day in and day out. Um, so it is uh, important that you are finding those ways and doing what works for you because there's no two people who are going to grieve the same, react the same, cope the same and you also don't go through it in the same uh, pace. So everyone is different. You can't compare yourself
5: to others. In regards to the Ukrainian plane crash, of course, 57 Canadian lives lost, a number of them from York region. Is it possible that the grieving process in this particular incident could be different from the ways that people would grieve in other type of incidents?
4: Right. Well, first, I just want to say my heart goes out to all the family and individuals who are impacted by this loss. It's definitely a horrible tragedy um, that I think not just impacts those close to them, but impacts us as Canadians and as a community as well. Um, Certainly there can be some heightened things that go on and some extra complicated layers due to the circumstances. Quite often when you have such a tragic, unexpected incident like this, you might really start to feel unsafe and kind of question the world and what you thought you used to know. And it just really puts you in a very vulnerable position um, where you don't really feel as safe or feel like you have all the answers. Uh, often it's kind of like we don't feel it really impacts us or touches us until it does. Uh, so quite often feelings of helplessness, Um, Jumpiness and anger, just in terms of what may have happened, uh, certainly are heightened um, and come out during these circumstances. But then also because they're just starting the process of the investigation, we don't have all the final details yet. So quite often, you can start the grieving process and mourn your loved ones, but then there's another layer that will take place once we do have all the final answers of what the investigation um, determines has happened. Um, But quite often, people will have all of those questions and trying to understand what has happened and how they now are left to deal with the loss of their loved ones.
5: Right. Okay, And that's uh, perfectly understandable, too, since it's still such in it's still in an early stage. And so everything is still relatively fresh. Um, And so, I mean, moving forward, uh, the different sort of stages in terms of how they deal with that loss, as you mentioned, uh, will will play out. Uh, What if somebody doesn't want to reach out to an organization? Uh, Let's maybe use an example of a child. Um, How can maybe family members or friends um, help that person?
4: Right, and that's a a really good question because not everybody is ready initially to seek support. And in all fairness, not everybody is willing to either, Uh, even after months or even years have gone by. But one of the biggest things that anyone can do is listen. Sometimes I think we underestimate the value of that, but listening listening in just a very caring, nonjudgmental way can be huge. And just sitting with them and being with them, even if they're just crying, even if you're just holding their hands, even just your physical presence sometimes can be very comforting and helpful. Uh, but the other thing that people can do who aren't directly impacted would be to educate themselves on grief and mourning because quite often I'll have people come in who hear things from well-meaning loved ones like, um, time heals everything and you'll get over it. And those comments don't really help the person who's grieving. So if you find out the right information on what that looks like, um, then that will go a long way so that you're not saying those comments that, feel hurtful to the person who's grieving.
5: And then for, for residents in the region or anywhere that um, they need more information, more resource tips, or they want to get in contact with you to uh, maybe get counseling or anything at all, um, how can they reach you?
4: They can call us at 905-898-6265, but they can also go online to our website at vfo yorkregioncom And that can get them a lot of information and certainly call in with any questions that they may have.
5: Thank you so much for your time, Christine, with these resources and these great tips. We know that during this difficult time, it may be hard to try and lend a hand to somebody who is grieving. But we know that even with just something as simple as listening, it can go a long way. So thank you so much, Christine.
4: Thank you so much for having me and being willing to talk about this difficult topic
2: Oh, Canada Strong campaign was launched earlier this week. Mohamed Faki, president of Paramount Fine Foods and founder of the Faki Foundation, uh, is doing everything in his power as a businessman and as a human being to try to help the families and friends of the victims of the tragedy of Flight 752. Thank you, Mohamed, for being with us on the feed.
6: No, well, thank you very much for having
2: me. So, what was the light bulb moment that made you think? I want to do this. Why did you launch Canada Strong?
6: Well, I mean, just thinking the fact that it could have been my family or anyone on that plane. And then I start looking at the news and seeing how people are getting divided and more political than worrying about the human side of it. And I thought that this will bring us together, bring a positive light and feel to all of this negativity and sadness. And uh, at the same time, will help people that are in need and they're under tremendous stress. And then I saw an interview of one of the kids that their parents went to Iran and she stayed behind and she lost all her family members. And it puts me right there to say I could have, it could have been me and that could have been my child that's left with no help. And we have to all come together and do something about it.
2: You put forward $30,000 of your own money to get this going. Why did you do that?
6: Because you need to lead, per example, in life, and uh, at the same time, I truly believe more you do, more you give, more you make, and more you get in life, and it doesn't have to be always financial what you get back, and leading, per example, is very important, putting your <laughs> your money where you're, like, already actually doing it yourself in front of everybody. It gets people to say, well, this someone is not just parking the park; He's walking that park. And plus, me and my family wanted to be part of this. We all need to be part of this. It's a great way to come together, but it's a great way to send a message that anyone could have been on that plane. And we do want other people to come for our families and for our family members and for our children. If I was on the plane, I wouldn't want my son to be alone and not feeling the psychological and the financial help of others. And that's what Canadians do. That's what I learned in Canada. That's what what Canadians do is giving back and building a community by giving back to, to the community.
2: You know, we are a nation united in grief and not many of us really knows what to do. This is a a brilliant way to feel that we are contributing in some way to the support when it comes to the families and friends of the victims. Tell me exactly, in your mind's eye, when you were putting all of this together, what kinds of things will the money that you collect go toward? Well,
6: uh, I didn't realize that there's a very important part of it is the distribution. And uh apparently, I will not have a say on it, except hoping from the uh, panel we're putting together that could be a professor in alberta uh, I'm very glad to announce that barbara hall our our former mayor accepted to be on the panel uh someone from Toronto, city of Toronto will be on the panel but I was hoping that we will take the first immediate expense of a funeral and possibly uh, other immediate expense that uh, these uh, families and their family member are left with uh, after this tragedy. And then the second tier I would hope that we could, especially after seeing Ryan speaking yesterday, that uh, amazing boy, inspirational boy that I was inspired by him. Uh, speaking about him losing his dad and turning it to so positive. I'm talking only about the positivity of his father. He made me cry. And, you know, I hope that we can get some education money, buy them RRSP for their secondary education. We can impact their life, and we can make it less, uh, like, shock, bigger, less shock for their life to, to possibly make them feel that they're not alone and we are all their family. And I would love to tell Ryan i could be uh, there for you as a father as a second father if you need me ever to be.
2: i encourage you to reach out to him and what a remarkable young man i saw that i watched it and listened to it and i stopped in my tracks i could not believe the strength that this young man this boy was was showing in the face of such incredible grief would you consider reaching out to him i know that he would be honored to hear from you mohammed
6: quite honestly i would be honored that he will take my call and give me an opportunity to be a better human, to be a better person and be there for them. I'm getting emotional as I'm speaking with you because it's just, he's the age of my boy, Karim, and I could not think that Karim would be in that situation one day.
2: But imagine uh, with the kind donations of people from coast to coast to coast to contributing to Canada Strong, there will be money to help support his education as he grows up and all of the other family members who are not only losing their loved ones, in some cases they're losing their support. And
6: beyond what you lose, you just feel like your life has just got invaded and, and, and unfairly. So we really need to come together to the, for these people. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who announced funding and I. You know, today Ontario announced some education uh, money uh, for the victims. That's all great, but it's very important that they know that all of us Canadian, regular Canadian, like them, we stood beside them. They need to feel like we're being a good neighbor, and we need to all be a good neighbor.
2: Mohamed, have you had the chance to speak with, or have you heard from? any of the many fine people who are donating to Canada Strong so far?
6: Yes, I have. And we're talking to other big corporations that they make big announcements. And I'm, I, I, we put out as well a CEO challenge. Hopefully CEOs will start challenging each other to donate. And I'm hoping even the staff in every company will challenge their CEO to donate. Today we need to send the message of unity for all of us to come together, regardless Like these victims, where they were, who they're from, who they They are. They have children like all of us, and those children have dreams, and we better come at this time to make sure those dreams are not stopped or shut just because of this tragedy, and we can do it. I have so much hope in this country. This country gave me my biggest opportunity, and it's my time to try to be that person that could act and bring some positivity back to this country and it's not anything but returning the favor I was given and I hope we all can come together we all can come together and help these people Ryan broke my heart the other lovely young lady broke my heart and I'm sure all of Canada feel the same way let's just show some action on that and especially CEO you're known for execution let's get this done it's easy it's easy for all of us to get it done let's get it done and show our staff show our children how it should be done and how it could be done when we all come together it'll become easy
2: and there is an expression and walk a mile, and now it's kilometer, walk a mile in your shoes. So just for a moment, for every Canadian to stop and think about what it would be like to have lost someone in this tragic manner, and so many questions still remain. Uh, this, at the time of recording this interview, you have seen... Over $337,000 uh, go into Canada Strong. Your goal is $1.5 million. What do you need to do? What do we need to do to keep the momentum?
6: Keep talking about it, please. Spread the word. And everyone in the street, Like you can have a conversation about a million other things, but add one word. Ask people if they have actually shared this with five people or at least donated $5. It's very important. Honestly, we need it. All of us need it. We need to feel united, but we need as well to really look at these faces, look at the face of Ryan. I don't know how what's going on in Ryan inside his head, inside his heart, as much as he's positive. It scares me what's going on with that boy's, inside of that boy's head and heart, and it's all on us together to spread the word out get people to donate, ask your CEOs why they haven't donated and why they haven't challenged another CEO on social media. And from you, the media has a big positive role that you have played with me and this Canada Strong, and for that I want to thank you. But we're only approximately 25% uh, accomplished the goal, and there is another 75 to go. So I'm sorry, but has. I always say when you want to make a real difference, it has to hurt a little bit. So it has to hurt on your pocket or on your time or on your way of spreading it. But please let it hurt because it's the right thing to do in a great moment where we have an opportunity to turn a little bit something that is so sad and so negative to a positive way of coming together and helping someone that is in need.
2: Mohamed Faki, you are my hero, and I hope that you're able to meet with your hero, and really ours as well, our other hero, Ryan. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us on the feed about this extraordinary campaign, Canada Strong, And we will offer more details after this interview on how people can contribute, where to go, and how to track how much money is coming in. Thank you.
6: No, thank you very much for all the work you're doing. And please, please keep helping us.
2: To track fundraising efforts or to donate, go to torontofoundation.ca slash canadastrongcampaign. In the coming days, weeks, even months, the focus may turn to how families are compensated. As Tina Cortez explains, international aviation cases are complicated. When the families are ready and the time is right,
7: where do they go for compensation? Joining us next to explain the process is Rod Windsor, partner at the Toronto-based law firm Blaney McMurtry. Before we get into what's next for the victims' families, can you tell us, Rod, about your work in this area?
8: Well, sadly, these cases have been going on uh, since the start of aviation. What's new in the last few decades is that planes are crashing not. So much because of the equipment fault, uh, but because of incidents like this. So, uh, we have handled most of the large scheduled airliner claims over the years, cases like Korean Airlines, where the Russians the Soviet Union at that time shut down uh, the Korean Airlines flight, the Air India bombing, uh, hijackings, uh, Ethiopian Airlines. Uh, and Lufthansa hijacking. So sadly, there are a lot of these uh, types of claims, and while collectively they're not a large number, uh, the experience is substantial, and we have been able to learn from those experiences.
7: In those claims that you mentioned, how was compensation concluded? Well, first of
8: all, in every single case, every single passenger's family has been compensated fully according to law. But in terms of how you get there and the time involved it varies case by case it's also really important to note that the rules have changed dramatically. So when we acted on Korean Airlines or India, where uh, there was question as to the involvement of the airlines themselves in in terms of being responsible for why uh, the uh, incidents occurred, uh, we faced a much higher Bar to meet in order to receive compensation. So the short answer in terms of timing is that if an airline decides to obstruct at every possible step and if uh, there are any distractions such as too many people involved in the litigation and so on, it can go on for many years, perhaps as much as a decade. That would be misleading in this context. The reality is much more typical is we resolve claims in under two years, and there's really no reason why they can't be settled in a matter of two or three months if the airline really wishes to do so. However, the trigger is the date the claim is issued, and uh, it is understandable that claims typically don't get uh, started very early for obvious reasons. But that's what starts the clock ticking.
7: In this case, in the flight of 752, the Iranian government has admitted to shooting down the plane. Does that make the legal part of this any easier? It doesn't in and of itself.
8: And uh, its I want to be clear, and it, you can get very confused and confusing very quickly in these cases. Uh, it doesn't in and of itself. I think what it does is it clarifies the situation. It removes some possibilities that we would otherwise have to pursue so in that sense it's a good thing quite aside from the fact that i think it's important for family's sake that uh, that there be an acknowledgement of, of this nature
7: how do they go about then getting compensation who do they pursue
8: there are a number uh, of, of possible parties uh, in these cases what i like to do is really prioritize them you start with the obvious one and if you read the media or hear You know, some commentators and and some government, one might think that this is all about Iran. And it is from the passenger's perspective, in the context of compensation, it really is not. The airline is legally obligated to pay compensation no matter what. And so it's important to keep that in mind front and center. That makes the airline the primary defendant no matter who was to blame for this ha- happening. These cases are uh, determined in accordance with international conventions. Uh, those conventions answer questions like where you can sue, who can sue, how you go about suing, what compensation is payable. And these rules are unique. They don't apply to any other kind of accident other than uh, accidents on international flights of uh, the airliners. So. You know, you got to keep this in mind at all times.
7: Is a class action appropriate here?
8: Class actions are interesting. Uh, you know, when we handled their India claim, that was before there was class actions legislation. And one of the things we struggled in that case, there were a lot of plaintiff's lawyers involved. And so we struggled with how do you deal with the uh, problems arising out of so many different law firms involved. The experience of those lawyers very dramatically. Those were early times. And so we struggled with it. And we then ended up doing something very interesting. With the help of the court, we in a sense created a class action to address some very limited specific questions arising out of the involvement of so many parties we're able to do that the court appointed four lawyers to act on behalf of all of the plaintiffs but only with respect to the issue of liability or who had to pay and uh you know and that worked reasonably well so you may say well why wouldn't one pursue a class action in this case there are advantages and disadvantages in my view, based upon what we know today, uh, the disadvantages far outweigh the advantages, and class action we may see one, and there are reasons why we see them in these cases, but in my view, based on what we know today, it would not be appropriate. Claims are very, very serious claims. They're individual claims. Each family situation is different, and the common issue probably will not be uh, that difficult to address. It is the individual issues that are going to consume most of the attention and those are better dealt with when you have large claims and individual actions.
7: Now no amount of money or compensation can replace a lost loved one but without appearing insensitive here how is financial compensation determined?
8: I think uh, the best starting point particularly in cases like this is to say what it doesn't cover right so uh, in under Canadian law We do not compensate for grief. When someone's killed, that is by far the greatest uh, consideration. So if we start off the fact that we don't compensate for grief, then... What is it that the court does look at? It does not value a life that would be, uh, you know, our courts have made it clear that that's not an appropriate way of looking at this. What the courts do look at and what the law does provide is first compensation for any financial loss. And financial losses are, you know, much broader than we often think. In families, we all support each other. And we support each other not in signing a check over to a family member, but by sharing expenses, by being there when you're needed. Uh, in this day and age, you know, the families are not necessarily as important economically in all cases as others in that sense. But all families suffer when somebody is killed, and they suffer in many ways, and our courts will look at the evidence for each family and look at how this death affected every person in the family assessed, the financial losses and then there is a claim for what we call loss of care guidance companionship which is more of an overall category which uh, covers the other items which are not particularized.
7: Rod Windsor, thank you for joining us on the feed and providing such relevant and valuable information on this ongoing story. You're very welcome.
2: Well, the story of Flight 752 is by no means over, and here at 105.9 The Region, we will continue to bring you the very latest information and stories in the days ahead. Thank you for listening.